Hi friends, this is Will Parker. Before I jump into this week's episode, a conversation with Jen Schwanke about what to do when you feel restless, I want to give a couple of heads up for Principal Matters listeners. First of all, with the publication of my new book, Pause, Breathe, Flourish, Living Your Best Life as an Educator, I've had several opportunities to present to not just school leaders, but also school-wide faculty on the practices that they can be increasing in their own self-reflection, their own self-care, so that they can continue to be inspired in the work that they do with their students and their families and then their communities. If you are interested in connecting with me about the possibility of presenting to your staff, I have limited dates available going into the summer and fall semester. So please feel free to reach out by email at will at williamdparker.com. The second thing I want to put on your radar is that summer, which is just around the corner, is a great time to reconnect with professional development and learning. And the mastermind communities that I have been leading this year have been some of the most helpful ways for school leaders to consistently connect with other leaders in their own growth. And usually as I wrap up a semester in the, in the spring and summer, I begin to open up new opportunities. So if you're interested in a mastermind opportunity going into the summer, and as you look at the fall semester, again, just reach out to me. I would love to connect you with an application and swing around and have a conversation with you either by phone or Zoom to see if that would be a great fit for your own personal and professional growth. Again, thanks for doing What Matters, and I'm looking forward to sharing this week's episode with you. Principal Matters Podcast, episode 236. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about questions when you feel restless with my co-host, Jen Schwanke. Jen Schwanke is the principal of Indian Run Elementary in Dublin, Ohio, and the author of two great books for principals that you can find at ASCD or at Amazon. Jen Schwanke, it's so great to see you again. And I understand that you, like I'm going to say millions of educators across the U.S. and the world, just got your vaccination. Congratulations. Yes, I did. Yesterday was the second round. And so the process is complete for me. Where I live, there's been a, a really a wonderful and admirable effort to get all educators vaccinated. And it, it feels like a gift. You and I were talking a little bit off air. It's, it's, a real, it's a real gift that we're making sure our educators are vaccinated so that our kids can get back to school. Yes. And how do you feel? It's, it, you know, it's funny. I spent yesterday, the way our district did it is there's three day, a three day window where people got vaccinated and we actually went remote for those three days, which was, we're in hybrid now, but it was again, a gift because everyone reacted differently. And I spent those three days hearing horror stories of people that were, were knocked flat, but mostly just people feeling tired. And that's definitely what I have just a little fatigue but nothing that a couple Tylenols and a chai tea latte can't fix. Well, I'm looking <laughs> forward to getting my own next yes. week is my first round. And um, because I office in a school, I, I get that option too. Nice. So I'm so, so grateful for really for the amazing minds of scientists and people around the world that pull together so quickly 
to come up with a vaccine that is that has such a high rate of success? I mean, it's really profound. Well, and I think most educators I've talked to have really been awash with gratitude, like you just said, not the, you know, the scientists and the forward thinking and the distribution of this. And then where, where we got ours, it's a huge field house in a neighboring high school and all the nurses that are there giving the shots and the pharmacists checking you in and overseeing the process. And, you know, the fire department and the police department there to make sure that nobody has adverse reactions. It really is a great example of our world coming together to get over this thing. And, and I'm honored to be a human being in that world. It, it, it's a time to be grateful for sure. It is. It has been an unbelievable, I don't even know how many months now. I mean, I want to say a year, but it's been more than a year now that um, educators have been walking through. I mean, for most people, it was around spring break of last year that reality really set in. And as they have um, adjusted and led and, you know, kind of the, the highs of the beginnings of COVID when, when school teachers and health workers were all heroes and then the downside when when the normal year began here in the US and then schools became the places of conflict as everyone was fighting over what's the best options and then as school has progressed and you've been in and out in quarantining and some schools are just now beginning to return in person um what a crazy year jen yeah, and yeah. as i and as i talked to principals um you know, there's just such an array of emotions, uh, right. some who feel just enormous gratitude, others who are just exhausted yeah. Um, yeah. with decision fatigue. And so I think the range of emotions is as um, varied as what, what we've seen happening around the world with the pandemic. Yes, I agree with you. And, and I think it's okay to have a huge range. And for me, you know, I had a really bad day last week and I called my friend Jacqueline. She's a principal in a neighboring building. And I, I said, my God, what's wrong with me? And she said, nothing, <laughs> nothing, honey. It's okay to feel so high and so low and then so grateful and then so angry. And, and that's, I think the key is just accepting the range. And, you know, it, it's creeping a lot of people out that for many of us, in my district, at least, we are going to go back to full, um, full return, we're calling it, almost exactly to the day that we went remote. And, you know, it, it, you can think about a year in your life in a lot of different ways. You can put it in a box. Well, that was strange. Or you can put it in a box where you're going to pull out lessons from it. You can put it in a box and put a lid on it and never, ever think of it again. <laughs> but I think it's an opportunity, particularly for educators, to think about what we've learned. Um, you know, alongside COVID was many natural disasters near where you live. There was such a winter storm last week that I think you have a friend who's going to have a hard time getting up and running again. And, but, but you mentioned some positives that came out of COVID for her. So I don't know if you want to speak to that, but yeah, but I mean, point. and my point of course, is that, that there's a lot of good that came out of this very interesting year. Yeah. And yes, one of my good friends who is a member of our mastermind um, leads a school in the Texas, in Texas and uh, in outside the Houston area. And, you know, two of the three buildings on her campus were destroyed through frozen pipes that busted and the restorations are going to take between three to six months. And so, you know, the upside is that she and her teachers know how to teach remotely uh, because of COVID. Uh, the downside is that parents are demanding to be back as soon as possible, you know, and so which she can't control restorations. And so, you know, on top of the the angst and the anxiety of having led through a difficult year. And now there's this whole other layer. I, I was on a Zoom call yesterday with a principal who 
was um, just reflecting, this is her fifth year as an administrator in her district. And every single year she's been there, there's been some either natural disaster or something that's happened um, that has closed school early. And so, um, and I was just thinking about, you know, we think, we think this is outside the norm, you know, for us to face these kinds of crazy things that create school-wide crisis or school-wide havoc or school-wide difficulties. Um, Sometimes I'm wondering if it is the norm um, and we just don't recognize it because we're so good at, at pivoting. We're so good at being flexible. We're so good at at being relentless um, that sometimes we don't realize that like you said earlier, when you called your friend, she said, uh, no, actually, Jen, this is normal. You know, <laughs> it's actually normal to con- to consistently face crazy obstacles, to feel overwhelmed, to feel like you're not doing your best, and then to just pause, breathe, reflect, and then recalibrate. Right. right. And I think that, you know, we, as principals, as leaders, we're supposed to be the strong one always we're the strong one and we look at our people and we look at what they're struggling with and we think okay what's the solution and often you know at least for me i'm not a crier i don't get emotional necessarily about work things but when you add layers like your own children struggling or people that you're worried about dealing with other issues then you start to maybe get emotional and you're not even quite sure what you're crying about <laughs> you're just so tired right and so i think that permission to feel and permission to um have the highs and have the lows is perfectly okay and i want to land a little bit with with your friend um who had to go remote for a bit we did as well when our district went into the vaccination mode and so i think we have been given a gift of this option of remote learning but i also feel that many administrators are anxious about this because although it's a great way to change our learning mode temporarily when crisis calls for it, we're also very, very well aware of what those parents think. It is disruptive to parents. And I had this thought last week, many administrators work with a union, you know, some sort of a collective bargaining unit, and we answer to that unit, right? Well, I feel like in the past year, many parents, because of social media, have begun to feel like a different union. Because I, for my, you know, speaking again for myself, I'm always aware that a parent can get on Facebook and say anything they want to say. And then there could be all these comments, which again, with the analogy of a union, those are voting members, right? (laughs) They all get a say. And so I think with compassion about principals who may have to make a hard decision about going remote or about changing a learning mode, because there are going to be so many opinions. And when those opinions come together in agreement, it can feel about feel like one against hundreds. And that that carries with it a really heavy weight for our principal friends. And, and I, I don't know the solution to that other than to be strong and make decisions that are right for students and, and for teachers and for the, you know, the general school population. But it's something to, to acknowledge that we're contending with going forward. Yes. And I think that's such a good reminder that um, every decision that you make, there's always the potential that someone will be disappointed um, or push back. But then trying to keep in mind that you're ultimately your job is not to make everyone happy. Your job is to do what's best for kids in the situation and then live with the consequences. But it's, you know, another conversation I had recently with another leader who works a lot with principals is he he said something, and I wish that listeners could see my hands because (laughs) he said, I feel like 
when I'm working with principals now that, and he was bringing his hands closer and closer together. He said, I feel like the, the, the person who can actually flourish and thrive in the principalship is getting narrower and narrower. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if that's true or if the pressures of on all principals in leaders and teachers in particular are just getting bigger and bigger. Maybe it's just because of the pronounced pressure of what COVID has brought. That could be it. Um, but there's there, I think it's, it's undeniable that the pressures on, on school leadership, um, it seems get larger and larger each year. Not, they don't in any way seem to be lessened, but I also know that if I back up and talk to principals, you know, every, you know, you and I have been doing this long enough that I can still remember having these same conversations 20 years ago. So it's not, it's not, there's, it's not new, but it's certainly, I think, amplified by our access to voice. So the, the you know, social media or, or mobile phones or the ability for people to, 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 to um, communicate quickly. Um, it does, I think, increase the pace of pressure that people are often feeling. Yes, that's the component. I agree with you, Will, and I'm glad you said that because the difference is the voice. There's so many voices. I had a fifth grader joke with me last week. I, I mentioned something about my boss and he said, how many bosses do you have? And I said, we're going to need a calculator for that because I, I'm not quite sure I can do that math in my head. So there are many, many more voices holding us accountable. But you're so correct in saying that it's always been hard. There's a wonderful book out there. It's called The Principal's Office by Kate Rouse-Manier. And, and she covers the history of The Principal's Office. It's a wonderful book for any, anybody out there should read this book because there, there's always crisis and there's always angst and social upheaval and those things that have been going on for centuries. And so, you know, to think about ourselves in this moment in time, it always feels unique, right? <laughs> it feels like nobody else has ever dealt with that before. And it, that's certainly the truth. But principals have had enormous pressure on them for a long time, you know, navigating through Brown versus Board of Education, navigating through the student rights um, movements, navigating through, through um, you know, massive amounts of urban change and upheaval and suburban growth, all of those things have been pressures on administrators for countless years. Mm -hmm. Well, this may be the longest introduction that you and I have ever done <laughs> to a podcast because as we were um, sitting down to discuss this week's focus on, you know, what I do when I'm feeling restless, we had been getting feedback from one of the recent podcast episodes that we did on interviews or openings or job um opportunities. And, and so we wanted to circle back because we've had some feedback that I thought would be really helpful for us to talk about. So while we're on that topic of feeling restless in, in the context of uh, one of our listeners, I just want to give some feedback. And I did not ask this person for permission to use her name. So I'm just going to uh, just reflect a little bit, Jen, on this email that we, you and I received. But um, this principal, um, who is in the Virginia area, um, says that the recent episode that we did really re resonated with her. And I'm just going to read the quote. I, I really thought that the principalship would be my last stop before retirement, but I'm getting restless. I'm not sure if it's because the principal role has turned out not to be the dream job that I thought it would be. It is difficult to tell during a pandemic. This is my third year as the principal in my building and my eighth year in the same building. I loved every day as an assistant principal, but I'm just not feeling the same joy now. 
listening to you and Jen has really made me focus my search and consider where I can add value in my current district and surrounding districts. It did make me laugh when Jen told about her story about applying for the HR position. I feel the same way about interviewing, and I almost submitted my name for an HR vacancy, and I realized after listening to you that HR would not be a good fit for me. So, Jen, I think my first question from that listener's feedback is, what do you do when you're feeling restless in your work? I'm so glad this listener wrote to us because I think there's a couple of things that I would like to to unpack from her comments, and I know you do too, Will. Uh, First, first, I think it might be a mistake, and hear me out here, I feel like it might be a mistake to search for joy when searching for a job because this job and most jobs are not joyful all the time. There's absolutely moments of joy for sure, but there's a lot of, um, of people out there, especially again on social media, that say how much joy they find in their work. But I don't know if that is, um, if that's truly something that's sustainable all the time, long-term. I think we have to look for fit and we have to look for what we, what fills us up. And then the joy comes, right? It, 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 the joy doesn't come until you feel comfortable in your own space, in your own time with what you're doing. And so when our, when the listener said, that you know, she acknowledged it was difficult to tell during the pandemic. And I would say that's that's what we have now. We're in the middle of a pandemic, and so there's hardly anybody feeling joy. Maybe that's the wrong word. Maybe the word that we should search for here is fit. And you know, I want to unpack a little bit too when she's feeling restless. I feel like when you when you're not feeling a good fit, of course there's no joy there, but then you have to kind of search for where the hole is. Where's the water coming out of the sieve? And it might be any number of things. She might be bored. Is she is she restless because she's bored? Is she restless because she feels she's not able to do good work? Restless because her supervisor doesn't appreciate or respect her. Colleagues she's tired of. You know, to to hone that down and to really identify the source of the restlessness will help her find her answer. And sometimes it might be leaving that current role. She said she loved being assistant principal. And, and so that's maybe the, she needs to say, okay, I'm not in the right fit now. That's why there's no joy. And I'm not, I'm not saying this person should demote herself, but it's a possibility <laughs> or, or looking for a different role that might fit her soul a little bit better than the one she's in right now. I would caution this listener and any listener don't make big, huge moves right now. We are in the middle of this, you know, this time that none of us have ever experienced before. And to say, you know, I'm not feeling happy. I'm going to do an about face with my career is probably not wise. You've got to give us some time to get through this as an, as an industry, (laughs) as a, as a group of educators so that we can see what, what really what really is tripping us up. And I would love to hear your thoughts on that, Will, what what you do when, when you're restless or not feeling right about things. Yeah, I, I don't think it's fair for me to reflect um, as if I can relate, not being in the principalship right now. Uh, but I will say these things, Jen. Um, I think you're right. It, it It is a dangerous time to to, to be making decisions based on how you feel about the moment that we're living in. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, last night I was visiting with one of my uh, college daughters who'd stopped by the house and I was just, we were both just reflecting on our week. You know, what's, what's something that we, that brought us joy. What's something that, that was a challenge. What's something we're looking forward to. And um, I, I'm feeling pretty consistently the same 
because I'm doing the same so much right now. And so um, if you were to ask me, you know, am I getting a lot of joy in the work that I'm doing? The answer many days would be no, exactly. because, because, um, because I'm limited on my access to people. You know, this, the work that I do when I moved out of the principalship meant that I spent most of my time traveling or visiting schools or working with leaders and virtual was the um, exception, not the rule. And now it's become the rule, not the exception. And so um, I, I love the opportunities that I have to connect with people like what we're doing right now. I love the opportunities to train and get on a screen and talk to people across the U.S. But I am just um, aching for human connection right now, even though I office in a school is it's, it's still not my responsibility to lead that school. So I think it would be really dangerous for me right now, personally to say, well, I'm aching for these changes. Therefore I just need to make a change. I think that would be short-sighted because what we're experiencing right now, like it or not, even though it seems like it's been forever is temporary. There, there will be, we are going to transition back at some point. And if you look at the, the rapid, um, you know, the vaccinations, if you look at um, an overall herd immunity that that's eventually coming, I was just reading a really great article in the New York Times this week that just said, you know, fast forward. And at some point, COVID will be like the flu used to be for us. We'll vaccinate every year. We'll go to school. We'll go to work. It's never going to disappear, but we're going to learn to live with this and see, we're going to see a lot fewer people dying because of this disease if things work out like they normally do in, in, with, with scientific discovery and vaccination. So just to rewind to that question, I think that sometimes it's hard to keep restlessness in perspective, but I think it's really important to keep it in perspective right now. Another component to this is our teachers are feeling this too, Will. I had a teacher two weeks ago and he said to me, I, I just don't feel joy. And I felt exactly the same as I do as a mother when my kids say, I don't want a vacuum. Well, of course you don't. Of Who does, right? And I kind of said that to the teacher. I was able to put my mom hat on. I said that. I said, I'm going to mother you for a minute. He's very young, so I'm allowed to say that. I said, there's not joy every moment. And what I think you're missing is, you know, the frolicking students out at recess and assemblies and parties and those things that we, we think of as joyful. Are they gone? Absolutely. But there is joy in other places. And I said to him, listen, the, the way that we in our district are providing education, we would have given our left arm for that 10 years ago. We have small class sizes. We're seeing every one of them half of a day. So we, we are in a lot of ways, we have the flexibility and additional resources. Oh my goodness, the technology we now have, you know, that would have been something that without the cloud of COVID, this would seem like magic. <laughs> so there's joy in that too. There really is, is a different kind of joy. And, and I challenged him to find that joy because nothing about his job has changed. In when you get right down to it, he's still teaching. He's still working with little human beings. He still has the, the gift to guide and mentor them. And so, you know, in some ways, I think, you know, without being too harsh, we can have an inner conversation with ourselves and say, I'm not joyful in the ways that I used to be, but is there joy that I can uncover? I, I have a friend and he left the principalship last year 
to take a different job. And he said, when I left, I had this little twinge where I thought, am I making a big mistake? And he says to me now, yes, he said the principalship was the best job I, I ever had and that I will ever had. He knows that now. And it took the rear view mirror to show him that, right? So, so sometimes it's not till later that we know where the joy was. I recognize and acknowledge that, but I do think there's value in, in committing to finding it, whatever it looks like. That's so good. And, you know, Jen, I'll give uh, listeners a, just a small taste of what's coming in the weeks ahead. I, I've been reaching out to listeners who have been corresponding with me, um, several listener of our listeners are from outside the U.S. And so I've been really curious what this experience has been for them because I've been talking to principals here um, close to me and across the U.S. about their experiences. So I have a series of interviews that are coming up in the next few weeks with principals from outside the U.S. <clears throat> who have been sharing with me their COVID experiences. But one of the questions that I like to ask in those conversations is, um, what are they doing for their own self-care or what are they doing? And it's, it's been really eye-opening how much we have in common. And, and it's been such a good reminder. And, and I know that we often sound like um, I, I, I tell people I often sound like the grandpa giving it, you know, advice. <laughs> so forgive me for being the grandpa, but, but um, I'll give you another story. I was, I was um, in a conversation with a younger friend of mine and uh, several weeks ago, and we were just walking through some of the, some of the restlessness that he's feeling. And, um, and we, we had a really good conversation about it, but, but this is a relationship that's um, a conversation that's been going on long enough that I just said to him, I'm going to kind of be really direct with you because um, you, you're asking for feedback. And, and I just looked back at my calendar and realized this is the 10th week that we've had the same conversation. And every week when I've asked you about your own self-care, there's one thing consistently that you've stopped doing. And he said, what is it? And I said, I, for the last 10, you, he, this is a friend of mine who loves to run. And it was the 10th week he'd not done any exercising. And I said, I don't know how you're surviving at all without that physical outlet that brings you so much joy and relief normally. And he was just like, ah, you know, it's like that light bulb, you know, that moment of there, there are some things that we can do, small things. And, and for, for some of you running may not be a small thing, but, but what, th think back. And I, this is what I always have to remind myself when I'm going through a crisis or a restless moment, or I'm feeling like I'm about to pull my hair out. I stop and say, what are the things I normally do that help me recalibrate, you know, so maybe that is turning off everything and reflecting or reading or prayer, or maybe it's just taking my dog out for a long run or walk, or maybe it is just um, turning off technology and playing music for a while. Um, but whatever those patterns are that help me recalibrate, I can't stop doing those when things are getting harder. I have to continue to do those because um, that makes a difference too. I mean, there's sometimes when I'm feeling really restless and and something like a really good workout or maybe a nap, you know, will will re recalibrate me and and help me kind of refocus too. So, I think it's important to to keep those practices in mind too, because like you said earlier, Jen, you certainly don't want to make um, life altering decisions in a time like this when um, some of those small practices can help in the meantime while we're all waiting to get back to what may or may not be normal again. Right. Right. I have a, I, I'm going to give a 
professional development to a group next Saturday. And when I talked to the leaders, I said, what do your people need to hear? And she said, they need permission to take care of themselves. And I thought, well, goodness, I'm going to talk for 90 minutes about giving them permission to take care of themselves when really it's a simple concept. And I think you nailed it. You know, find what it is that you do to take care of yourself in a non-COVID year and see if you've let that go and maybe invite that back into your life and see if that if that helps you feel a little more grounded. I think it's important to, to give ourselves a, a hot second to get everything back to normal after this thing we've been through. Hmm. Well, Principal Matters listeners, I don't know if that conversation helped you today, but I know it helped me. And Jen, I just appreciate the opportunity to step in a room and ask that question. What do you do when you're feeling restless? And as especially as we step into the spring, and I know we have more questions from listeners that I would love to unpack with you in a future episode. But for, for now, I just want to remind Principal Matters listeners that as you're, whatever season you're facing right now, maybe you're not feeling restless. Maybe you're, uh, this has been a great day for you, but maybe you are, but whatever that is, um, it's important for leaders to practice the same self-care when they're feeling restless that they would want their people to experience too. And we will get through this. Uh, we're going to look back someday. I, I thought about this whole year of podcast episodes, how someday um, this, this whole year of episodes will be so dated where people yes. are going <laughs> to so, someone's going to find this podcast episode. They're like, what? They're still, they were talking about, they just talked about COVID all the time. That's all they ever talked about. And, uh, and so, so someday this will all be perspective. Or somebody I'm, will write a history book about us. That would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time, Principal Matters listeners, thank you for doing what matters. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks everyone. You can find other free resources like this one at williamdparker.com.